0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. This time we're going all the way back to 1990 uh, to the movie Pump Up the Volume. It's written and directed by Alan Moyle, who also did Empire Records and then retired from directing because he got tired of studios taking a shit from him, fucking it up, apparently. Uh, It stars Christian Slater, who Bald Move fans will recognize from his uh, pretty heroic run in Mr. Robot. In terms of acting anyway, uh, also heather 's interview with the vampire he 's had a long career, Samantha Mathis, who you might recognize contemporaneously from Fern Gully and the Super Mario Brothers movie she 's also an American psycho, and uh, there's other people but the the one that really stuck out in my mind uh, Seth Green. <laughs> He's one of his very what, early three
1: shots in the background yeah. or something.
0: One of, one of, it's got to be one of his earliest uh, pieces of, of, of film. And of course, he's famous from Robot Chicken and Austin Powers. Uh, pop up the volume. Uh, 30, it's, it's in its 30s now.
1: Uh, what did you think of this film, Jim? Uh, well, this is the first time I've seen it. And I immediately when it ended, I thought, damn, I should have saw that when I was uh, 17 seventeen year old me would have ate this up man um with oh, a yeah. fork and uh done my then done my homework in the dark yeah i don't know man it's it's a good movie um it's a little messy it's a little hard to like i i just kept waiting for this movie to fall on its face i guess because it has such an audacious big opening that by the time i i got halfway through it all I could really think was how the hell are they going to bring this to a satisfying conclusion? It's, it's, I had similar thoughts yeah. <laughs> of like watching, uh, who is it? Simone Biles or something doing her, her floor routine in the Olympics. And mm-hmm. so she's way up in the fucking air. And you're like, she's never going to land this. Are you insane that she's way too high? Yeah. Uh, and then she lands it and it, the movie doesn't land perfect. Right. It's like a seven out of 10, I think with, with its ending but the rest of it is so good. And so just spot on with its tone that like you forgive the kind of like semi Hollywood storybook ish ending. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, there's nowhere this movie could go. That would be something filmable. That was as interesting as the thing, the position that they got the person into. And that's the thing that like, I kept on thinking as I was watching this movie is like, how in the hell is this thing still simultaneously very relevant and comes off as cool and simultaneously also feels extremely dated and lame?
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> and, the fashion, and, and, the fashion and the hairs, my God, the hairstyles. It's part of
0: it. But like, I feel like, uh, if, if kids like, like your average zoomer watches this and seeing these like suburban kids, like whining in angst, like they're going to, um, they're going to they're going to shit a brick because these people seemingly are going to this elite academy school like they've got everything figured out. And the 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 plot that disturbs the students is there's a principal that is targeting rebellious kids to flunk to to kick out of school so she can have artificially high SAT numbers or something. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just like. Ah, I, I, this, this movie needed a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. They, I, I think that they did some interesting things and they leaned into the plight of like some of these kids, like especially the, the gay kids in the early nineties, yeah, uh, and in suburban areas and that stuff. But like a lot of times I felt like, what was Christian Slater's problem? You know, uh, what, why, why, but i don't know maybe i'm just not sympathetic to teenager to, to standard teenage problems because you know too old you i old had man. a worse
1: what oh okay <laughs> i got old yeah 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 i mean i i couldn't tell you exactly what slater's problem is they kind of hint around the edges that like he liked it in new york and his dad moved him here because he got a job and
0: uh, I, but when you say that out loud it's Arizona. like yeah, it's like tell go tell that to the season four kids on the wire, man. Oh shit, <laughs> right. your dad moved across the country for a better job. Oh my, so yeah, your and, bedroom's uh, the size of our entire house. Great fucking right. you know, big and, and, problems. And then you have a f- full on like recording studio and all that kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like it's that's the thing. It's like it felt like in retrospect, uh, small small stakes. But I mean, that's the thing about uh, why it does feel relevant and cool. Not only because. We're kind of living in the the far flung, barely imagined future that this movie posits at the end where like literally anyone with a microphone and camera can scream into the void and possibly find an, find an audience, right? You're listening to Um, it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing is that like growing up and being a teenager is hard. You can make it harder and there's things that can make it easier but transitioning from dependent to independent person and, and finding out who you are and what you stand for and what does it mean? Like, you know, what values you share with your parents? what are in opposition? All that stuff is, is tricky. And at the same time, you're supposed to navigate the sexual landscape and romantic landscape and professional landscape and educational thing. It It, it, it is, it's rough. So it's like, I, you know, I facetiously, I'm like, these kids have nothing to, to whine about, but you know, there's some real pain here. Uh, oh yeah there's uh the kids committing suicide kids uh getting getting raped apparently um so yeah there there's it's there's there's definitely
1: an audience for this this really angsty hairy hard-on stuff yeah but it's, it's stuff that like i identify with like looking back at my high school years they sucked right as every teenage uh teenager going through high schools high school years suck uh because it's just a tough time of being a human it's not mm-hmm. like Oh, you know, everybody's got a perfect life. Some kid out there has a perfect life. Maybe they do, but they probably don't know it. Right. And they probably think that whatever problem they're dealing with, like they didn't get enough fucking sour cream on their burrito or something for lunch one day. That's probably the end of the world. And it's because your body's rebelling against you. uh, Your Mm -hmm. your parents are trying to steer you in some kind of direction because kids can often be directionless uh, or, or not know what they want. And like, that's it's just a hard time of life. And the thing that I love that this movie does, and it's, it's something that I've often thought, uh, is just telling kids like every kid needs to hear that high school doesn't fucking matter. Like no matter how nerdy you think you are, no matter how, how uncool, no matter how like of an outcast you feel, this is going to pass in four years and you have the rest of your life ahead of you. And yeah. That's the stuff where it really hits home with like the the kid who kills himself in this movie. It's like god damn, if he could have just held on for a few more years, he probably would have had a great job, he probably would have found a friend group because he could have gotten out of the shitty forced uh interactions that he's in every day in school and chosen his friends like there's the just a lot was so of close
0: to being invented man like you know you at, could have right? gone in there and find your comic book nerd
1: friends Get and on a BBS? So. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And th- that's what I mean it's just like this is a very uh, proportionately small part of your life, but it feels huge when you're in it. It feels like it's it's everything. Yeah. And it can like, you
0: know, like they're uh, the, the one exception, because I, I like that, too. It's like high school is not real and it doesn't matter. Like uh, it's, a, it's a carceral. It's 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 the only carceral relationship carceral. That's a hard word to say. It's the only jail like experience. Yeah. It means like being like, it's, it's only like the, it's the only institutional experience that we will all have in common. Yeah. Uh, And then if you, you know, quote unquote, stay out of trouble or, and out of the jaws of the legal system it's the, the, hopefully the only one you'll, you'll have, but like, yeah, it, it is, it is pretty fucked up. But like on the other hand, like if you get so depressed that yeah, obviously extreme, you kill yourself, that terminates your life. But also you know, getting bad grades and uh, not taking advantage of the education that you get um, is something I know a lot of people lament. And unfortunately, I think the things are all bound up together. Like, it's hard to think that the things you're learning in school really matter when you're a 14, 15, 16 year old and then you're trying to apply in college or you're trying to get a job. It's it's it sucks that like all these things that are fraught just from, like you said, a human developmental period are also bizarrely in this last couple hundred years so important to like your success in life too you know uh
1: yeah i mean that's that's not untrue right you do need you do need an education um but like i don't know i i feel like you can you can go back and you can fix some mistakes that you make around that time yeah if you do make them um and and getting all up in your head saying like, oh, this is a super important time in my life. And if I don't succeed now, I'm lost forever. That can just lead to more, mm-hmm. uh, more fuck ups, right? Uh, more problems. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Every kid needs to hear like, basically, just get through high school. just Just get uh-huh. through it. And the rest of your life is going to be better for sure. <laughs> Unless, yeah, you know, you're to- the fucking... I don't know, football star living in Arizona right. in a 400 square foot bedroom. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. The other thing you said is like, unless you have the perfect life and we, uh, you know, but that's also like its own kind of like pressure and hell, yeah. because like if you seemingly have a perfect life and it turns out that your parents hate you or they're subtly like abuse, like no one really takes it seriously. and And even then, if you have that quote unquote perfect life, you're still a teenager trying to turn into a person and going through all those things through, but all that stuff still applies. So it's, it's, it's rough for everybody. And that's what I'm saying. Like it does feel a little corny. Some of the stuff that's in this film, um, especially like, you know, the, the kids that seemingly have a more perfect life, right. Is are less sympathetic than the kids that are getting like bullied and picked on. And there's a couple, I also like that. How like, um, this pirate radio station became like an open forum to where like some kids could yeah. call in and talk about the abuse they've experienced at the hands of other kids. And they're all fans of the radio show. So like, you've got this weird kind of like three sixty reflection about like, Oh shit, I guess I was a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person, uh, th- that, that's, um, that's was,
1: was, is interesting. um, Yeah, there's a lot of ways that that station brings these kids together by the end of it and shows them, that you know, we're kind of all going through this and we're all the same. Yeah. Um,
0: So I guess we should, like, before we get into, like, really spoiler territory, um, we should kind of describe because, like, here's the other thing that I think is fascinating that we need to talk about. This movie is impossible to find on the Internet. Dude. Like if you just want to like oh man Aaron and Jim talk about this pump of the volume Christian Slater early I want to go take uh, I'll just go rent it on Amazon no you fucking won't nope. and you won't buy it on iTunes and you won't buy it on Apple TV you won't get it anywhere you can pay like thirty five bucks to get a Blu Ray a bare bones Blu Ray at that and Amazon will ship it to you in a couple of days but that's it there is no way to find a streaming copy of this uh, any kind of legit legal legal way
1: so. Yeah. You know, I, I must have my found my, uh, one because I watched it for this podcast. So I don't know what happened. Right. <laughs> right. I had uh, Johnny Depp and
0: Orlando Bloom came by, helped me out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they helped they, they they showed me a way, a uh, particular code to follow,
1: if you will. Um, it's got to be the uh, soundtrack, you, right? Because this movie yes. has a great, just a great soundtrack. Leonard Cohen. It's got Beastie Boys. I, I, Ice I hear team. that.
0: There's a lot of like these early 90 things where the, you know, indie things where they like use these up and coming and no name bands that are now like exploded. Like they're no Mm -hmm. beastie boys is no longer obscure. And there's like just so much samples that you'd have to clear for like the digital rights that they're just prohibitively expensive. So they just and that's one of the that's one of the things that's also makes it seem so relevant and cool. Because this thing is like, well, kind of like you know, you can't control speech and information, and it wants to be free, man, and just got to get out there. And it's like one of the most locked up movies of all time. Because yeah, there's an irony to that of the pirate nature of its music production, right? Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. I felt uh, <laughs> very rarely when I feel smugly morally justified when I go onto the Pirate Bay, but holy shit, sailing in that harbor, I felt, I felt my conscience is clean. But anyway, uh, this movie is about a young kid, Mark, whose parents have moved from New York to a suburb in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, I believe, Uh, and he's having a hard time fitting in and finding new friends. He's like 17, 18, uh, and instead he retreats into his basement every night at 10 o'clock and assumes the identity of Happy Harry Hardon a sex and masturbation obsessed teen that disguises his voice and just talks real shit. He's got a post office box for you to leave him feedback that he'll read anonymously. Uh, You can leave a phone number and he'll call you. Uh, And it's just a sensation. It sweeps through to school, um, helps uncover some untoward things happening at the school. They all kind of like ends up blowing up in the principal's face. Uh, The FCC gets involved. It's a, it's, a, it's a real mess. Uh, what's going to happen to the happy Harry on? Uh, is he going to stick to his guns? Or is he going to run for cover? Um, that's a big part of the movie, him wrestling with mm-hmm. like, Jesus Christ, I kind of started this as, a, as a, like an angst outlet. I'm not sure I want to do like hard time for it, you know?
1: Um, and I'm not sure I want the consequences that it's having on the people who are hearing it, too. Um, there, there's a couple of moments in the movie where he's not sure that he's doing a good thing. By getting on the radio yeah i guess we can talk about that
0: um it all comes to a head because you know he's very much preaching that like these kids write in they have these screwed up situations that happen to them um and he tells them that you're not screwed up like it's not screwed up to have a uh a reaction like that to a screwed up situation and he's kind of like, you know, everything's very light and glib. And what really kind of like changes the tone of the movie is when one of the kids calls in, says he's suicidal. And, you know, Harry kind of plays that off and the kid ends up killing himself in real life. Um, I, That was like one of the big kind of like moral dilemmas. Um. Were you were you surprised when the kid killed himself? Because I thought maybe just someone sympathizing and being like, you know what? Uh, You you don't know how many people are alone out there would like do the trick. But Mm -hmm. it seemed like it didn't help at all. Um, Was there anything that Harry could have said there? Like, what would you think of that? That turn of events? Yeah, uh,
1: I was definitely surprised when he went through with it. Um, I guess. I would have thought, like you said, that having some connection to someone at that moment would have at least delayed it uh, beyond that that evening. But I guess not. Um, and, you know, it's hard to get inside the head of, of someone who is at that that uh, the end of that rope sort of right. S- sort of say. right. Yeah. Um, but it definitely had a big changes the on tone him. of the movie because before that, it's all like him fake masturbating on the air, and kids are like thinking, Oh, listen to this rebel talking about society and all, you know, everything's fucked up. And And once that kid kills himself, he now, I think, has to grapple with the idea that it could be him pointing out how fucked up everything is that's also leading to a little bit more despair. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like I, I think that's interesting that like this is all kind of theoretical to to Harry here until this thing kind of happened. And it's, um, you know, every once in a while, like a killing spree will be pinned on a particular artist or a video game or something. And I've often wondered, like, what does that feel like to be an id software developer? And they're blaming your video game for a high school getting shot up or you're making some shocking kind of soft horror metal shit that's edgy and cool. And, and, uh, you know, someone wrote in a diary that you inspired him and then they went up and shot someplace up. like, what does that feel like? And I felt like that this was that only you're like a literal teenager. That's not famous at
1: all is having to grapple with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels more personal too. When he's, uh, speaking (laughs) directly to the kids, um, he knows the people Mm -hmm. he's speaking to, right? He knows them in person. Although I guess not very well. He doesn't really talk a lot to these kids, but he sees them every day. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that kind of changes the, the dynamic a little bit, but I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, I, I think about there that sometimes a, too with podcasting, like how responsible sure. am I for the things that people do as a result of the things I say? And I try not to give too much specific advice um, mm-hmm. for uh, somewhat for that reason, but also because I don't think I'm really qualified. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned the fact that
0: like he's just—he's not talking to his kids. He's a watcher. There is like this kind of two-way voyeurism going on, where he spends his days just kind of like soaking up conversations and things happening, scandals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes at night, and he like has this very graphic and frank the dialogue, and you know they're listening to him supposedly masturbate and all that kind of. And there's like it feels like the audience is kind of like listening into something they shouldn't be hearing. So it's like this like. You know, it's like that uh, uh, rear view window uh, movie we watched, except for the other guys watching too. you know, (laughs) yeah, Uh, yeah. And I thought that was kind of kind of neat. And also, I I remember like uh, because I hadn't watched this when I was a kid, but I heard about it and I knew about its reputation. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard of. The idea that you could have a pirate radio station. And if you lived in a town that was cool enough, you might have one or several people that are like broadcasting illicit things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like there, there's also like in the late 80s, do you remember that? Like, was it like the Midnight Cowboy or something? The guy who like took over HBO from time to time, like hacked her satellite signal and did, no. like, did fucked up with the thing. I I just thought that there's there's like that kind of thing, like that kind of like uh I don't um just extreme kind of libertarian free speech ideal I thought was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then when the internet happened <laughs> like I, I think it's funny. It's like yeah, everyone loves Happy Harry Hardon, but like, what if Happy Harry Hardon just started asking questions about certain minorities and you know right. uh, sexual orientations and you know so maybe, maybe so. It, it's one of those things. It's like he mentioned that like they, they they play the FCC like there's some kind of um, you know. I don't know what, what would you call like centrist organization? There's this line where someone's like, this is an art, it's graffiti or, you know, hardworking, honest Americans want us, you know, they don't want us anyone out there at the radio station because then you could have lowest common denominator, vulgarity and all that stuff. And it's like, that's not the real danger of this kind of like, um, unlicensed or unregulated communication it's more of just like really dangerous misinformation and propaganda and whatnot you know mm. like someone's showing their dick on chatterbait uh or or uh you know some kind of like uh v- zoom call is like the least of things you have to worry about when it comes to social media and it seems like that's what this was like oh my god this guy's talking about jerking off and sex and no that's not
1: that's that's not the real danger here yeah and i get the idea so i mean this whole movie is just like is square pegs of kids trying to be forced into round holes right um it, that that's what it's about it's like well the system wants you to behave and look and act like this uh and when you step out of line and you don't do that you're you're uh punished for it and instead of like embracing that and saying okay i need to change to conform to the system You just need to get on your pyro radio and shout into the air about how unjust all of this is and just speak your voice, right? Be you. Uh, And I like that, but you're right. There are going to be you's out there. They're really fucking nasty and you's out there that want to take advantage of people and exploit people. And that's their outlet, right? And in this movie, Harry is not that Um, Harry is vulgar. Harry is obscene. Uh, But Harry's also sensitive. Harry's like understanding. Harry is a lot of other has a lot of other good qualities that, you know, aren't encompassed by him talking about jacking off or whatever. Uh, But that's not always the case, as we found out 30 years later or 20 years later or whatever.
0: Yeah. um, But like, he's also very I, I think that's the other thing that Christian Slater especially pulls off this. Um, I wrote in my notes that he has like a Superman Clark Kent thing, like literally going on, like he puts on his glasses yeah. and his oversized clothes and he goes out in high school and he's just this kind of, he plays a believable kind of like, um, you know, wallflower, I guess, incel type forever alone, you know, ang- angsty guy, even though he's like ridiculously, obviously good looking as, as Christian Slater. Um, and I, I noticed in an interview where he's talking about on the 30th, you know, cause we just missed the 30th anniversary of this thing. Um, there's a retrospective where he was talking about intentionally like embodying that kind of duality. And I thought Kristen Slater did an amazing job of this guy who can be a wild man on the microphone and could be completely uninhibited when he's behind his voice. You know, when he's just a a disembodied voice that's that's uh, distorted and no one can recognize versus like, damn, some of the performances he gave at school were like painfully shy. Mm -hmm. Like, he can't make eye contact with a person talking to him. Yeah. Uh, he would rather like flee in a, a like what's, what's uh, uh, what's ha- shaping up to be a successful encounter with a girl. than like stick out more than like, Hey, how's it going? Hey, you know, and I thought that was, I've, I've never seen Chris, uh, Christian Slater play something like this, you know? Um, and I was just shocked at how good he was at, at this young age at, at being that kind of dual character.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say I haven't seen Christian Slater in much. Um, I know people love him in Heather's. Uh, I, I saw him probably really like watched Christian Slater for the first time in Mr. Robot, which mm. you know is way late into his career. So, sure, I, yeah. I, I but I look back through his filmography, and I don't really think there's a ton there that interest me it's amazing that he doesn't have a higher profile better career because he is just a magnetic charismatic person uh you know everybody compares him to jack nicholson and i think that's apt but also there's he's like the jack nicholson for my generation because i like jack nicholson Mm -hmm. but he's making older movies right he's not making anything like this yeah he was raising hell back in the 70s you know yeah It's interesting. I, I, the only
0: thing I can surmise is that like, it seemed like he was a difficult young man in his early days because he was maybe intentionally leaning into those uh, Jack Nicholson stereotypes and trying to party and trying to carouse. And Mm -hmm. like, he had two drunk driving convictions um, before he was 20. Um, It feels, feels like there was some, some maybe ego and, and substance abuse stuff that maybe got into his, his way a little bit, but it's not like he ever disappeared. Like Christian Slater's been yeah. been steady acting. It's just you know until Mr. Robot. It's been stuff that's like you know not not get getting a lot of of press and and, and notoriety. I guess. Yeah. Um, but I've seen yeah I've seen the, the the you're right. I was going over his uh, filmography and he's got a couple of things where he's you know been pretty good co star. But like some of his lead roles, like I remember Cuffs is the one I was looking through and I saw it and I'm like oh god, that's just a really terrible like rom com where he's a. uh, uh a police officer and uh it's it's pretty it it's pretty cringy, pretty bad. If you're looking for that but. movie, it's spelled K-U-F-F-S. Yep. <laughs> if that tells yep. you anything yep. about it. Yep, yep. It's pretty it's pretty bad. But he, he does like it's and it takes something like that because that's the other thing that I think is a little now if I'm you know, as I'm seeing this as a mid forties, like very cringy, is like that he's very clearly you know, this idealized like writer protagonist, right? Yep. You know, it's like one of those. And and uh, every high school has got a couple of these kids that just like, seem to be preternaturally cool in terms of their musical taste. Um, You know, it's like, you know, where everybody else is listening to pop 40 shit on the radio. They're like, you know, raiding their parents, vinyl closets and they're passing mixtapes from, you know, the, the, whatever cool kid network they use to plug into this shit before the internet. Um, but he's that guy and he's very well read and you can, and he's into philosophy and you know, uh, his, his, his parents are, they care about him and obviously they support him, but they're also maybe do a little bit too much into their own thing. And maybe they're mm-hmm. a little, you know, they're, they're boomers. So they're, they're, they're breaking their arms, patting themselves on the back for all the good work they did in the past. And it's cool that we're selling out now. Um, I just like, it's, he's clearly, put together to where it's like he's also irresistible to women you know and he hasn't like he can literally like be put like trying to keep beat them off with a stick and they're still corral you know coming around and, sh- and showing up at their uh <laughs> on his porch whipping their tops off at 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 the zero notice
1: uh <laughs> yeah I mean kind of he's fun. a good looking guy and, and he's hairy in those moments right like to to Nora he's right. hairy he's not Mark when he tries to go up to another girl uh she just kind of looks at him weird and he walks away. doesn't even talk to her. So, you know, right. and the, Harry and Mark are two very different people.
0: Yeah. But like this kid, it's like, yeah, he plays like totally sex obsessed. But then when, uh, I, what's her Samantha more, more, more to Morris's name, uh, Mathis rather it, when she comes on too strong, he like freezes up and, you know, is, is moving yeah. too fast. There's interesting, interesting, uh, And like, oh, my God, that scene where they're about to kiss for the first time. You know, like sometimes when we're playing one of those uh, uh, narrative driven video games and one of your favorite jokes you like to play out is whenever they've got a thing where like you reach out and take character's hand, Mm -hmm. you have to actually push a button. And if you You release the button, then yeah, yeah. And you're just like, you know, doing like the slowest, like possible hesitant. This it was like <laughs> right. five minutes of a camera spinning around these two teenagers waiting for them to kiss Yeah, and like advance and retreat and giggle and blush and get in and oh, and then, oh my
1: God, it fucking drove. It, it fucking drove me crazy. <laughs> it gave me time to wonder if I was interpreting the scene correctly or uh, like, it, it, okay, I think they're going to kiss within the first three seconds. And then when it goes another 12 seconds, I'm like, maybe I misread this. Maybe they're not going to kiss. They're just like sizing each other up for it like cross my something. you know what it crossed my
0: mind that christian slater's character might actually be gay himself oh when they made okay. that like and he had that like you know uh kind of simpatico connection that he made with the gay kid that called in yeah uh and he was like i, I started thinking like there's no way they're gonna make him asexual because like i don't think yeah. like anyone even knew that was a thing like except for the asexuals themselves until like five or ten years ago but it's like, ah, oh, that'd be interesting. If like, what if he's he's yeah, he's super horny and all that stuff. He's just not into her. Yeah. You know, he's actually into the redheaded, you know, metalhead or the other redheaded punk or I know there's <laughs> a lot of redheaded punks in this school. Yeah. Uh, but no, it just turns out he's just really painfully shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hilarious, though. Did, what did you think? When like when his parents came home and they think there, there's a scene where they think that he might be happy, Harry Hart on and they're about to like, you know what? we haven't been paying attention to what that kid does down in his basement. Hell, we've never even been into his room in months. So they're like, you know, not open the door, open the door. He finally, after he hides all of his radio equipment, opens the door and they're confronting him. And then this girl like steps in off of his porch and be like, Oh, it's just me. That's who he's talking to. Hmm. His dad had the most hilariously. Yeah, son, get in there. Tear that pussy up reaction. (laughs) (laughs) like, I I get if you're a parent, you want to be kind of sort of cool about that, but like, I I don't think this is it chief. I I don't think this is, this is the way you want to deal with your, your, your teenage son. Mm -hmm. Who's having his first perhaps sexual experience. Uh, Maybe not be that invested in, in his love life a little bit. Yeah. He does think that this
1: is the moment where his son becomes a man. It's pretty funny. Mm. hmm One thing that I felt made this movie feel very
0: dated is, like, in general, we talked about the dad being like, hell yeah, tap that ass on. But all of the adults were bewildering. They did not feel like real characters, Mm -hmm. like the principal being cartoonishly mustache twirling. I'm getting all the disadvantaged children out of my school. That's one thing. But like. There's this real consternation about all the graffiti and all of the like, I I can see a school district being legit upset about what's going on here. But there is this like there's this mass meeting at the school's baseball field where everyone is just listening to this stuff. And like cops are driving around trying to triangulate signals and they're trying to do this, that and the other. And I kept on thinking, like, did they not know where the kids are meeting and like disseminating all this information and, and getting everybody all horned uh, up to do property destruction? But then like the press is there. Mm -hmm. And the FCC is there. And I'm like, well, why don't you just shut this down? Like, is there is there a curfew? This is happening at 10 o'clock. Like, if you're really this, it it felt like there's this big gap between. Oh, my God, this is a radio stations beaming into all. What can we possibly do to stop it? And like, there's this big fucking carnival that's going every 10 o'clock at the local baseball diamond. Yeah. And everyone knows about it, but it's still being allowed to
1: continue. It's like, What? Yeah, uh, that was weird. And it also feels like the teachers are both ruthless, but also incredibly impotent. Like they can't actually they, stop kids from playing music on campus. Yeah. They, can't, they can't stop people from graffitiing the place and putting up like their letters to Happy Harry Hardon on the bulletin board. And there's just so many things where like, you know, the shop teacher or the gym teacher, whoever the fuck this guy is, comes in and is like. I'm not stupid. I'm not as dumb as you think I am. And he turns off the radio. And then two minutes later, somebody else is playing. Let's get butt naked and fuck. And he's mm-hmm. just like back to square one every time you see him. Right. And there's 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 a, another part of this in a
0: microcosm is like Seth Green gets it up to like wire a boombox into the school speaker system to play Harry's hard on stuff and they can't turn it off. Yeah. But it's like they're doing it from the middle of the school's courtyard. It's like, oh, my God, how can we just just stick your head out the window and see all the kids like gathered laughing and and clapping at Seth Green sitting in the eaves of the school with this fucking MacGyver Radio Shack kit, you know, plugged in there. That's that's where it's all you're right. Is this like it's kind of like uh, they they're running to school like a concentration camp. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of things where I guess this is a real school um, and ironically was involved in a school shooting back in 2019. Like five students died. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, this fucking country but there's uh, it's got these weird like s- cement walls and it's kind of like this very brutalist architecture and there's like these really high chain link it really does look like a prison but it's like if you had like a prison warden that just can do nothing to crack down. He's a, he's a ruthless. It's like the guy in the Shawshank, Mm -hmm. but yet he just can't do anything about any of the stuff that's going on. Like, that's not usually how those things work. Like that guy had absolute power to prison. And if he didn't, if he, if he, if something was going on that wasn't supposed to be, he was in on it, you know, like that, 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 that did really bother me. It's like you had the authority figures from
1: a comedy film in yeah, the in, ferris in bueller drama. principle, except they they were like actually ruining kids lives and driving them to suicide and shit yeah
0: yeah yeah if like <laughs> ferris bueller's uh sister actually just shot herself because of uh-huh. what creep the the principal is yeah um yeah it's, but
1: these, it's weird these
0: kids I, yeah. I think
1: what they're going for is like the idea that that's that once the kids minds are expanded that the shit gets out of control, right? Like the system breaks down because system only works if we all shut our mouths and play by the rules. Uh, and once, you know, everybody at the end of this movie has their own pirate radio station, we'll fix everything. Right. Or, or at yeah. least we'll all come together and understand each other better. Even if shit doesn't get fixed, we can like commiserate in our misery. <laughs> yeah. Um. But that, that's, the, the whole, that, that whole guy
0: dichotomy kind of bothered me and also I just felt like when we got down to the, the girl the main the Samantha Mathis' problem she's like well I'm cutting class and it's causing me to fail math but I don't think the movie did a great job of connecting like what the school was doing that made her feel that way or made her like it just seems like well you're yeah you shouldn't do that you shouldn't cut classes you should you should you should attend your classes and 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 try to get good grades you know uh mm-hmm. it's, i i didn't feel like there there wasn't any like thing happening at home and i, I thought that was interesting because like i think at the end of the day like i think that's one of the pressures that harry felt in the final act in the movie is like God damn I really don't have like I actually mentioned a one time a serious problem that's the first time I actually opened up to my parents and gave them a real answer about what I was thinking my dad instantly took it seriously and started a full on fucking investigation of the school as his as a school district attendant, you know like and yeah. he's kind of like have this things like I mean, maybe I got nothing to really to rebel against you know compared to these other people that are calling into legit problems and I felt like I don't know they needed some of these kids to have like you know, Samantha, the, the, the math girl needed something going on uh, where her parents were putting in like insane expectations on her, which I think they did with another kid. But yeah, I never connected Paige. to like what was the pain other than just being kind of like a feckless teenager.
1: Yeah, uh, I think for a lot of kids, that's here. it, right? Um, it's not anything specific. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm being picked on specifically by people or anything mm. like that. It's just like the the mixed up stew of hormones that you get around that age is just fucking with you and then some people self-sabotage as as a result of it right
0: yeah as as a custodian of a teenager i find myself when i watch these movies these like teenage coming of age movies and they show these difficult children and i'm always thinking of myself as like if i was their parent what the fuck would i do you know, like some of it's like, well, yeah. like, you know, I get there's just this just, just profound abuse and neglect going on. But like, if I just right. had a kid that just like has some kind of angsty ennui, you know, mm-hmm. Uh what what do you do to like challenge or motivate them? Or and I th- that's the thing is like, I maybe that's why I found her character so frustrating Fatter's a child. Like, I don't like what do you do? You love her more, pay her more attention, go like. I I didn't. That's the thing. I guess that bothered me is I didn't feel like I had anything to go on about, like, what's her problem Mm -hmm. and how you could you could help a person like that. Um, Yeah, the movie doesn't care that much, right? It doesn't tell you what her problem is. And I thought that's why it made the ending of the movie kind of unsatisfying, because like Harry, essentially his final like his final broadcast was like, hey, let's just be honest. All that shit we've been talking about the last few months we kind of need to roll back on that. Things aren't that bad. It's going to get better. You know, uh, it's, it's not as like, you know, where was all this? Like, well, the world's fucked up. This is a, a used up and spent generation and the planet's dying. And like the politicians are all corrupt. It's like, that's all still true, dude. You can't Mm -hmm. just be like switched to just, you know, kumbaya mode. And I felt like, if if I were a kid and a teenager and I was into that show and that was the final thing, I would see that as a profound act of selling out. Um, and it was discongruent from the heroic attempts he was making to have that final kind of broadcast. I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I did want to see him like, be like, you know what? Fucking fuck it. Burn it all down. Tear it down. The system's corrupt, you know, yeah.
1: like, uh, and there's a moment but, of that, right? Somewhere in the middle of this movie, he's like, do something crazy, you know, and they have that just dance sequence or whatever, where the girl microwaves or pearls or something. I don't which fucking know. Also, didn't really connect with me. Um, yeah, I, I think the thing they're going for here is the idea that someone else is out there with the same problem and you can talk to them um, yeah. if, if you if you can just talk right. The whole thing about this character is he says, I don't know how to talk to people or about anything or to girls or whatever um and i feel like that was the whole crux of this is if people just talk to realize how similar they are you can see that sort of happening over the course of this movie where you know the carnival that you're talking about that happens at the baseball diamond every night uh listening to hard on henry or harry hard on (laughs) I I get hardcore Henry and this mixed up a little Mm. bit Uh, (laughs) that kind of forms naturally over the course of the film. Right. You start off with the two punks, uh, one of who is not even attending the school. Right. Is just expelled already. Uh, He's sitting in his car with Seth Green and there's this other couple that's sitting in their car and they're the only two out there. They they and when those that other couple rolls up, the punks are like fucking yuppies. Uh, and by the end of the movie they're all partying together they've all come together around a common cause and I think that's like the real messages is, of this film is if you communicate with people and understand people and come together with other people maybe you can make a change somewhere down the mm. line and and you know the movie ends with like this montage of people starting their own pirate radio stations so I, which is cool yeah I, I think pro- there is prophetic. like a good hopeful kind of Uh, message at the end but you're right it is pretty like I don't know I mean their microcosm of a problem has been solved but where does that go from there yeah
0: and I just feel like that's the thing. It's like this this movie works for, you know, kids that don't have any real problems beyond just like the the existential angst of growing up like this is because right. he, he, in that final thing, he says a whole it's like, you know, like the problem with society is you got this plan. You're supposed to, you know, go to school and you're supposed to get a good job and you're supposed to meet somebody and you're supposed to do this and settle down. Like, but what if. You know, you, uh, school's hard for you or what if you're not good looking and what if you're awkward and what, if, and there were no solutions there. It's just like, yeah. you know, just, it's just it's going to get better. And, um, I mean, like I said, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, there's, I don't know what I was expecting, but like, I why is expecting something more than just your average high school valedictorian speech from this kid? Because he is a high schooler. What the fuck does he know? Yeah. Um, And two, it's just, um, yeah, like, uh, I, I, there, there is that barrier between like, uh, acknowledging that like life kind of sucks and it's not perfect, but also like, um, you know, there's no real alternative to keep trying. Um, that's like Mm -hmm. an essential thing to like, you know, when you're giving individual advice, like, Hey, you know, uh you should probably work hard and take your school's study study seriously and keep your word and do this and that and the other. But also that's not a guarantee that you're going to be happy or successful. Sure. And even if you do all those things, sometimes life is just going to fuck you. Like that's re- the, both of those things are, they're, they're both true. It's like, I think of the, the weird uh, um, cognitive distances that we're, we're living with in modern life that like the real good advice that we were told as kids is still good advice. It's just, it's completely random whether it works or not and the, the way the, the the world is operating right now yeah um and it felt like it was an almost en- too hopeful for what had come before in a movie and with the i you know with the hard r i was kind of hopeful that we would get something a little bit you know darker and me- more melancholy um but you know like i said the fact that like this is kind of um uh presaging the 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 creation of the internet which has allowed a lot of bad people to talk to each other but it's also allowed a lot of uh, lonely people who are struggling with things and identity i mean it's uh yep. the internet being around has got to make it easier if you're that you know kind of artist sensitive soul in a school that no one gets you you know whether that's because of some sort of creed or religion or race or whatever it's got to be empowering that you can connect to a community of like-minded people that you can be heard, you know, and, and mm-hmm. hear
1: their experiences It's like group therapy, you know? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, is Mark's dad, I, I think it's, is a it Brad? Br- Brian, Brian Hunter. Uh, is his dad like the real hero of this movie? Cause like th- there's all these questions about his dad. Like how much has he sold out, you know, trading his, his passion, he used to love the job and then now he's moving him to Arizona for money and stuff. He seems like the villain at the beginning, but he does the right thing at the end, right? Uh, he fires the principal when he finds out what she's been up to. Um, And, and that to me says that, like, he, OK, he has not lost his passion for the job. He has simply co-opted the system to you know, get someone who is maybe a little more uh, sympathetic and a little more radical uh, into the the positions of power. Is that not what you want? Yeah, that's why I thought that, that the I don't
0: know what Christian Slater does because at the end of the movie, like again, uh, he starts off this movie like pantomiming smashing his parents skulls in with the ba- uh, what was it, a golf club mm-hmm. and his his parents do seem rather tone deaf like but like, yeah, like the the, you know, he never really opened up and talked to them about the things that were bothering him and the things he'd find at the school. And the the, the one scene he does, and his dad like instantly, like I said, starts this investigation. And there's some. I, I, that's the other thing is I felt like is a little cringy. Like when, uh, cause cause like, they're treating this, they're treating the school principal as if she's crea- she's done war crimes, and this is like a Perry Mason thing, and she's like, this is like Jack Nicholson. Admitting to the code red. And then, like, his dad's response to her, like, you can't fire me. He's like, oh, I think I just did. <laughs> like, it's a little stupid. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, I, I just want to see the uh this the teachers and faculties union like hearings. So like nine months later when she gets like uh you know early retirement with severance pay and all that kind of stuff, she can smugly say, See, I told you you just couldn't do this, you son of a bitch. Yeah. But like it, here they do have that moment of triumph where it's like, you know, okay, well this guy's gonna get arrested and and maybe that sucks, but uh a lot of these kids are gonna be able to, you know, get the uh, this, 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 there was a battle for the school soul between the people mm-hmm. who just wanted to juke the numbers and brutalize students and and create little cogs in the machines and the others who are actual educators and like you know what no it's actually the access to education that's that's the important thing that we're protecting not our individual school scores and stuff like that Yeah. Um,
1: as embodied also by the English teacher right um, yeah and she's probably right Mark probably has a future as a writer uh, which is part of that, like, I, I don't know, so, sort of self, uh, aggrandizing writer, writerly writer thing, uh, where, yeah, yeah. writers are great because writers are cool. Writers are right. hip and I'm a writer because I wrote this movie, yeah. so I'm cool. and hip. Yeah. yeah. Which I, I don't yeah, know. Alan Moyle yeah. probably is like, he seems like a cool, uh, anti-establishment kind of guy with some of the shit he's written. And done. It felt, it, yeah, like some, it,
0: it, from the things I read and in interviews with them and stuff, it, I would think it's fair to say that there's a strong possibility that the uh, Hard on Harry is a bit of a self insert here. Yeah. Because, punk, you know, this man,
1: sure.
0: yeah, this man like continually bitches about movies being taken from him by studio. That's why he retired after Empire Records because, like, he wanted to do this angsty kind of teen thing. Um, and they took it from him and turned it in like the movie he did before this, the same treatment. He's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. He
1: uh, took his pirate broadcast and, and went home with it. Is it better um, to do that but, or is it better to continue to have your same attitudes and work within the system as best you can? Man, that's right? a philosophical This is where I'm going with his dad
0: you're right because like that's that's always you know the younger generation's critique of the older generation the older generation's going to say and you're seeing this with politics right now there's a kind of a, a changing of the guard the old people are always going to say like well you just don't know like if you knew the things we knew then you wouldn't be this extreme about the shit and then the young people are like you're fucking betraying everything you used to believe in you have just given up and you've sold out and you've and like yeah, getting in plugged into the system and forming consensus is an act of probably selling out and, uh, you know, bartering with your principles. But also it's the only like that's what this whole crazy rule of law thing we've been trying for the last few
1: centuries. It's like the only way forward too. So I feel like as long as you get into the system and drag the system farther to your side, then it drags you to its side. That's this you, should be you've done, yeah. it, right? You've, you've accomplished the mission. And if everybody does that or as many people as can do that. Eventually the system comes all the way around uh, and we can have a better system overall. But you know, if you believe, if you buy into the whole Overton window
0: mechanic thing, the, then you, you need radicals, right? Because those radicals are the ones that provide you with the, the oomph to move the window one way or the other. And if you didn't have them, you'd all sit in centrist land and everything would be status quo. And if there's a, if there's genuine mm-hmm. problems in society, the majority would just be like, well, fuck it. We're not, we don't see this systemic, whatever. So uh, must be just made up in your little head. Um, right. so but on the other hand, if like the radicals got like the, the hand on the wheel of the bus, uh, maybe they steer you towards utopia, but maybe also you steer you off a cliff. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. that's why you have the whole rule of law thing. Um, <laughs> Where where do these students get the extremely large papier-mâché phalluses that they're <laughs> just, ready to go at a moment's notice? That
1: was the thing that shocked me. It wasn't the phallus itself. It was just how readily at hand they had this thing. Yeah, and it's very, like, well-made, the craftsmanship.
0: Oh, like, yeah. I'm saying papier-mâché, but that's that's damning it with faint praise. This is a just lovely, lovely penis. Uh. <laughs> This, this movie is obsessed with cocks. Like, hey, that's the other thing that, like, uh-huh. I started thinking, like, well, maybe Harry is gay because he's all about, like, the phallus, man. He's got, like, little penises Those hopping around. Toys. His, yeah. He's Hilarious. got like, little penis candles. Like, this is, this is, yeah. like, uh, yeah. The, uh, and, and he's t- talking about, you know, always being naked with his cock out, wearing a cock ring, jerking. Like, there. yeah. This is a very cock-obsessed young man.
1: Yeah. Nothing I couldn't help but think when I it's heard... Uh, when I heard like all this shit he's talking about and the antics he's getting up to uh, it, you can't help but think of Howard Stern right the shock jocks mm-hmm. the and he's I don't know if he's a prototypical one but he is certainly like the person I think of when I think of shock jock mm-hmm. and I, I don't ha, has Howard Stern I'm not super familiar with his career has he done anything that you would say is like inspiring or worthy of of praise based on like you know, using the power that he has and the audience that he has to do anything (sighs) good, or does he just like to shock people? And that's, that's his whole thing. That's a good question because like, I, I'm struggling to think of like,
0: what is the annual charitable drive that Howard Stern does? What is, you know, what, what vital service? I know he does like interviews with people and some of those can be hard hitting because he doesn't give a fuck, but like, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of uh, how, I mean, I guess creating a movement or is he just, pissing on people doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it but I I, I, I'm not a big fan of his so like I maybe maybe he is uh, more of a humanitarian more of a a thinker more of a thought leader than I'm giving him credit for maybe I was never allowed to listen to him and I didn't start when I was an adult so I was with Bob and Tom guy uh, yeah Howard Stern only came to our city like briefly when I was like of an age to listen to that kind of shit and he kind of got ran out of town by the local guys so Hmm. Now he's
1: everywhere
0: uh, on XM. Now he's yeah, yeah. Is he? Is he still a thing? Like Howard Stern's got to be like my da- he's my dad's age, right? He's just getting to be old. I, oh yeah. I would think. Yeah. Uh, let's so let's talk about the elephant in the podcast booth. This is on a, in a in a in many many ways reminiscent of the early days of podcasting. It's not quite analogous because like we weren't literally pirating something there was terms of service Mm -hmm. that you know people people would get kicked off for saying crazy shit all the time but like in the early days of podcasting it was pretty freewheeling. there was very little restrictions on what you could say what type of podcast you'd have um and like i I see like you know we we've um you know there's and there's like all this kind of like very interesting stuff there's like if you want to listen to uh, two sex workers talk about what it's like to be, you know, selling sex on the streets of New York. There is a podcast for that. If you want to listen to, you know, people detailing atrocities from various world events, there's podcasts for that. Uh, if you want to just hear somebody, you know, talk like a jackass for whatever. There's like and it it does feel like the end of that movie feels very much like the reality that we're living in today, where. Yeah. If if you want to be heard, if you want a Twitch channel, if you want a YouTube channel, if you want a podcast, there's nothing stopping you. And, and it's just like these kids. It's like, are you willing to put, pour that much passion into something that maybe four or five people listen to? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes, it turns out. Yes, there's tons of people that will do that happily uh, for at least for at least a while. Um, and that's what I thought is interesting. This like crazy free speech utopia we've essentially live in right now. Mm hmm
1: yeah any any thoughts on that as a podcaster yeah i mean it changes how i feel about the end of this movie because the end of this movie i think in 1990 had a very hopeful message uh of hey get out there be who you are and people will understand you and can all come together around that in 2021 after podcasting for 15 years and not, not even being in at the start of it. People were doing this way before us. Um, I, I see where that has gone and I see the the people who abuse that. I see the people who are taken in by those, those people who would abuse it. Um, I, I see, you know, the very, very much uh, establishment trying to take over this medium again. Uh, I, I see all of those things happening, and I'm like, "Well, this was not the end-all, be-all solution to the problem. Like, just getting your voice out there is not where the job ends. You also have to do more. And fuck me if I know what more is right now. Uh, yeah, I think we'll figure it out. I, I mean, well, will we? I I don't know. I, I look at this and I go, "Well, everything he's talking about in these broadcasts, these hairy, Hard on broadcasts, are." problems we're still dealing with today i don't think Mm -hmm. we fixed any of these things and they were honestly probably problems dating hundreds of years back thousands of years back and they're all Mm -hmm. just new ways to express the same problems and different you know methods of dealing with them and have we actually gotten anywhere on this stuff or are we just disguising it with new uh Uh, new curtains right we're dressing Mm. up the problems we've got i don't know i don't know if there is an answer to any of these problems um but i can certainly say that the answer is not the end of this film it's not just the end of this film yeah giving everybody
0: a voice because that's the other thing is like um you're talking about the system co-opting things um i don't know how you stop that from happening uh you know it was popular in the early days of the internet being like oh the internet interprets censors, uh, censorship as damage and and automatically routes around it i mean kind of china's proven that to be bullshit you can firewall off a billion people from the planet and filter what they are able to talk about and think and yeah, even th- then like you know that's happened in from an economic incentive over in america that like if you say something that's sufficiently unpopular um that rises to the fact that like it's a they can write into a TOS you can't do this you can't do that you can't do that uh and then you're gone and it's like well you know and i you know i i, I get that it's like um i wouldn't want some maniac taking the bald move network and being able to say whatever they want with it yeah. um but there is this weird tension between well shit like who makes the rules uh and when the rules and when the rules are being made by undemocratic institutions, like shouldn't we the people have a say on that more than just like the Zuckerbergs and the Bezoses of the world? Um and 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 also like if you so if you invent a new like podcast thing platform, like uh you know it's 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 a, you got TikTok now. TikTok is where the truth lies on the internet. As soon as it gets popular, uh the eyeballs will be marketable and valuable and the money will get in and then it will corrupt everything. And then the oh, oh, you, you're ends, being so you're being a little too crazy over there with your freedom of expression. It's, it's harsh in the money spigot. So guess what? We're going to shut you off. Like, yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but like this, this also, I wonder like, yeah, you're right. We've been dealing with a lot of the same problems for a while, but I wonder if like social media, internet is kind of like distracted and ossificated that like, it's a new level of bullshit on top of the old bullshit. Yeah. It's new and curtains. it's kept us from like actually addressing some of these root issues. Um, it feels like it because it, it feels like that this like we went through at light speed the whole thing with the like the printing press, you know, like the first printing press was like, oh, this will be great. We can use it to disseminate important information and religious texts and whatever. And then we got to like, you know, where people figured out that like, hey, if you buy ink in sufficient quantities, you can just shape people's thoughts and you can make your own. Poly-. Mm. And we figured out how a way to beat that back. And I think like the Internet's just
1: printing press on speed, man. Uh, yeah everybody's got a printing press in their pocket now it's yeah not about exactly. how much ink you have it's about how much influence you have how you know how uh hot your take can be how many followers you have and therefore how that's relevant that's the thing if the,
0: in, if, if the influence was like if your cultural cachet is like how consistently right and <laughs> and the least hypocritic you were right then, Oh, that'd be a good metric. Like society would probably be yeah, how... exactly. But like the, it's not, it's like how interesting you are and interesting means combative and being a dick and mm-hmm. telling it like it is, even if like it is, is bullshit and facile and facile and, and naive. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. like in this Just movie, telling it like it is, is a 17 year old jerking off for 30 minutes every night. Like, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Jr. Appreciate that. You got to figure it out, kid.
1: Yeah, it uh, feels like just just talking, just getting your voice out there feels like stage one of like a 10 stage solution to any of the problems that he's talking about in this movie. Uh, yeah. But my hope is that we'll get there. You know, maybe the problem is the fact that
0: like um we have this unfettered speech, but like people can shut off the things they don't like. And then that just puts you into like an echo chamber where you'll never discover that you're actually very, very wrong about something. Mm. You know, it's yeah. like. uh I think about when you know, I don't I think a lot of people can like it, it's so easy for me to visualize this because I grew up in an environment where like I was in that bubble. You know, it's like, hey, you're in this religion and you only read texts made by this religion and anything outside the religion is apostate. And it's it's that's how you keep people in those. Um, And now we've got people voluntarily putting themselves into that. You know, um, there is no trusted voice like uh, you don't have the Walter Cronkite. It's like everyone trusts to kind of like at the end of the day tell things like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just like, well, if Walter says something we don't like, psh, we change the channel to the one that tells us how it is and how it is, is how we just roll out of bed thinking that day. Yeah. Well, that feels good. Oh, it feels so good. Why would you ever listen to anything else? And there, the answer is you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you You'd wouldn't. only wish watch yeah. the stuff you like. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. So we'll probably figure it out. But you're right. Like <laughs> everyone having so. their own pirate station wasn't wasn't the answer. Not, <laughs> Not the full the answer. answer. No. Yeah. Uh, anything else you got to say about the pump up the volume here?
1: Yeah, I got one other thing to talk about. It's the fashion. It's the hairstyles. It's a look at this movie because it looks. It is made in 1990. Uh, it has some of the most glorious mullets I've ever seen. I mean, there are a couple of kids in here. That would put, I don't know, the, the Eugene's mullet to shame on The Walking Dead. <laughs> uh, th- there's this awkward period of, of transition between the 80s and the 90s, which is oh, yeah. fully encompassed by the fashion of this movie. It's like Christian Slater can look very 90s cool in this movie. And you can also have a bunch of other kids who are supposed to look cool look really stupid because they're wearing like late 80s fashion and hairstyles. Right. In a movie that has moved uh, beyond that. I was cringing pretty
0: hard because uh if you want to see like the Aaron Hubbard high school wardrobe collection, uh look to uh, uh, uh Christian Slater's nerd outfits that he wore to school every day. Like that's <laughs> and essentially what like and- yeah and over like just everything was like three sizes too yeah. big and you're wearing the dad jeans but you didn't know they weren't called deaders jeans back then and the oversized shirt and the glasses and the very fucking square haircut <laughs> like that was that that was yours truly in, in the 90s and I'm like oh my god he's like wow. oh of course he's the of course he's the painfully shy awkward uh, reclusive nerd he's wearing the uniform it's the one I wore <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs>
1: I don't think there's, cut, just, you know, there's just like, like,
0: that kid's not going to give you problems. He's going to just sit in the back of the school, and and uh, he's either going to uh, just be fine, or he might shoot up the place later. Who knows? But yeah. uh, he's gonna he's gonna be like that.
1: Uh, and I, I'm like not surprised at all that this dude directed Empire Records because Empire Records has a vibe that is almost identical to this movie, where it's like you know that Gen Y angsty, uh fuck it all, who gives a shit kind of attitude, right? So be it, as they say in this movie. Uh and that, man, that comes across in both the style and the tone of this movie. So I don't know. I like this movie a lot. I think I would have liked it even more if I had seen it as a teenager. Uh, it would probably become like a sort of touchstone uh, Bible esque type of thing for me. Um, and I definitely would have had christian slater's hair yeah. but uh, i it, maybe it's better that i didn't i don't know this guy's a lot like uh this alan moyle's a lot
0: like uh john hughes and that he is in his 40s making these films but he's like speaking for a generation of disaffected teenagers yeah and i think that is pretty impressive that you can be so far removed from your like i don't know how i would make any kind of young adult fiction nowadays no. uh
1: it's i don't know how i mean she like, changed like, so much too though right in 1990 you could probably be 40 and still be like sort of in touch with the kids uh nowadays mm-hmm. it shit changes so fast there's no way that's true
0: this this is this is true uh and that's why it's like i try to i try to do like you know because i do have uh i i do have uh, uh <laughs> i am uh I am responsible for shepherding a teenager into adulthood. So I try to like stay on top of the new technologies and the new song and music and stuff. But you're right. it just like like TikTok's perfect example. Like that thing just yeah. came out of nowhere to be in the definitive thing that the kids are doing nowadays. Yeah. And like I still haven't got an account, you know, right? Uh, I, I see them being passed around and stolen on Twitter. But like I'm not I'm no longer I'm now the mom and dad laughing at a meme on Facebook that came out two years ago on 4chan, you know, yeah. I, I remember how lame that shit was. So
1: <laughs> right, gotta, you're just now getting the Gangnam style or some shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, the other thing anyway. I wanted to comment on is the casting in this movie because Christian Slater is so perfect. I can't imagine anyone else except for maybe the one guy that they wanted to get and who was the first choice over Christian Slater. Uh, John Cusack, he's the one other guy I could picture totally pulling this off.
0: Yeah, I mean, of this, of that contemporary cast. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like a teenage Leonardo DiCaprio could have knocked this one out of the park, too. Oh, yeah. Wonder how old he you was know. in 90. I think he's my uh, age. Oh, he was I was eight, like a uh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm saying like other like historical, like, I think, uh, you know, um, like Matt Damon would have been an interesting take, like a uh, goodwill hunting era, Matt Damon, huh? Uh, okay. Has, yeah. You know, like guys, have, I think guys have like played dual nature roles type of things, mm-hmm. but you're right. Like John Cusack would. And the only, re- that, that was who this kind of thing was written for. Yeah. And the only reason he didn't take it is he because he just did uh, say anything. And he's like, I'm not going to do any more high school movies. So I want to move on with my I'm ready to do high school reunion movies
1: uh, <laughs> right, or I'm, a, killer or I'm yeah. a
0: hitman or some shit. Uh, uh, but but yeah, like he would have. You can see it. It's it's totally. very easy to see.
1: And he probably uh, made the right you, call. I mean, Christian Slid, This movie was a bomb pretty much at the box office. It only made oh, like a million a, bucks yeah. or something. It was shocking. Went nowhere. Because this movie was
0: super popular in my high school. Like, uh, everybody loved it. And I guess this thing did, like, just take off once teenagers started seeing this on, like, cable. Yeah. And started seeing it, like, renting it, you know, or owning on VHS. Like, it it just really took off. And I can see why. Because, like, yeah, it's, like, it's mainlining that kind of, like, eh. Yeah. uh, The feeling you get as a teenager. Um, Sure. But, yeah, John Cusack could have been interesting. What do do you think about Matthew Broderick? That's the other. I feel like he's I, I a little too wry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's something that there's, he's not edgy enough. Like the edgiest he's ever mm-hmm. been is Ferris Bueller's day off. And he wasn't super edgy in that. No, no. Yeah, like the edgiest he was, right. was he skipped school and like faked his way into a sausage eating competition or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need to be a little, you need to have a little bit of darkness
0: Yeah, and he's just a little bit too jokey. Like, you know, uh, I think he has a meltdown if he thinks he's caused the death of uh, one of his, you know, like he just, just, yeah, it's at the movies over. He just like stays in bed crying all day. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Anything else for pump of the volume? I think that's it. It's an interesting revisit. I'm sure a lot of people our age have seen this movie a bunch of times and good luck trying to find it. Now Uh, you're probably going to have to get a physical media copy or resort to piracy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it's a very interesting film to revisit 30 years later to see like what has changed versus what's not versus the prescription of what the movies you know kind of pointing towards versus the the world we're living in now because um, cause we're all we're all uh, you know broadcasting our pirate radio beacons nowadays aren't we yeah. uh, that'll do it for bald move prestige this week hope to see you next week when we do another Uh, you know serious dramatic Oscar worthy perhaps film Uh, or maybe it's like just you know uh, pulp in disguise who knows this is I guess because like that's another like this movie feels pretty pulpy and it's like aesthetic and and, and whatnot but you know didn't have ray guns in it so there you go but yeah pump up the volume check it out if you can find a copy we'll be back uh, next week with something other something else prestigious until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim see ya